Thank you, Connie, for that beautiful piece. Well, great to see you, Alan, once again on this Resurrection Sunday. And for a reading today, let's go to Luke chapter 24 in the third gospel. And I've started a series this morning that will go for the month of April. I hope you'll plan to be here for all four messages. As we look at the phrase, risen indeed, to see how it continues to resonate in our lives here in 2015. If you're physically able, would you stand for the reading this morning? We're going to read the first 11 verses here in Luke 24. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulchre and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales. And they believed them not. This morning the title of our message is He is Alive. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. It's encouragement to us on Easter Sunday, that Jesus is risen. But we thank you that we have more than that. We have the proof of, proof of a risen Savior in our own lives and hearts. And I pray that you would uh, take in these short minutes of this message and speak to our hearts in a special way this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Would you please listen to this song? Long ago he blessed the earth, born older than the years. And in the storm, a cross he saw through the first of many tears. A life of homeless wandering, cast out in sorrow's way. The shepherd seeking for the lost, his life the price he'd pay. Love crucified us, risen one in splendor, Jehovah's soul defender, has won the victory. Love crucified us, and the grave became a place of hope for the heart that sin and sorrow broke is beating once again. Throughout your life you felt the weight of what you'd come to give. 
to drink for us that crimson cup so we might truly live at last the time to love and die that God forsaken day the one forsaken moment when your father turned his face away love crucified us the one who lived and died for me was satan's nail-pierced casualty now he's breathing once again love crucified us and the grave became a place of hope for the part that sin and sorrow broke is beating once again love crucified arose and the risen one on splendor jehovah's sole defender has won the victory love crucified arose and the grave became a place of hope for the heart that sin and sorrow broke is beating once again love crucified us. thank you ladies for that beautiful song well, today, Easter Sunday, is the most wonderful day for believers all across the, glo the globe because we celebrate the risen Savior in a special way. It's also the most attended Sunday in churches across the world. I was reading a, a prayer letter from our missionaries, the Reasoners, in Russia. And for them, Easter Sunday is next Sunday. And in that part of the world, they have a next Sunday. Yeah, and after the service, they're going to have a church meal together where people will walk around literally at the meal and say to each other, Christ is risen, and then the other person will respond, truly, he is risen. Of course, it's in Russian. It's not exactly how they're going to pronounce it. Uh, but uh, that's the way that the customs have been from this chapter. At uh, this chapter, Luke 24, we find the language to be, the Lord is risen indeed, and the reality of that uh, has been spoken now for thousands of years all across the world on this day of the year or in the Orthodox regions. Yeah, it's usually a week or two different. But the reality of a risen Savior is more than a one-day-a-year holiday. It's an everyday fact. And yet it seems that many Christ followers get wrapped up in life get wrapped up in discouragement and sometimes defeat and sometimes careers and raising families and sporting events and all of the things that go on here on earth. And we have to be reminded at times that Jesus is risen. And it's almost like Easter comes along every year to remind us that we have a risen Savior. We know it and yet we sometimes fail to live like we know it. I have to tell you, we're in good company. On the most exciting and important day in human history, 
The disciples of Jesus faced questions and doubts, and they wondered what had really happened to the crucified one. They were really unsure about almost everything in their lives and their futures, and it all came about in this one day, this unique day in human history, the first day of that week after the Passover. This morning, the notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with us. And we see, first of all, in our message this morning, idle tales. Idle tales. Look at verses 9 through 11 again. And returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with him, which told these things unto the apostles. And look at verse 11. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. You know, fairy tales are great for bedtime stories. And even sometimes little kids that are one and a half, two years old can learn about Cinderella and uh, what's the ice people? Uh, the, the frozen people, yeah. The, same thing. Um, our daughter Sophie has the Olaf pillow. And uh, when she doesn't want to go to bed at night, she says, lay in daddy's bed. And I said, no, you need to lay in your bed. She says, on Olaf pillow? And I said, yes, on Olaf pillow. And uh, I have heard the movie probably 55, 60 times in the car. I've never seen it. But I could tell you almost every line about the, the Olaf people and the princesses and all that stuff. Yeah, I've heard Cinderella, Cinderella, Cinderella more times than I could care to, to ever venture. Uh, fairy tales are a pretty neat thing for little children and for bedtime stories. But you know, most people over the age of five understand that they're fictional. Most people who are in this room, if we tell you that there's no Santa Claus, you will not begin to weep. Right? Now, we can't do that in the other building. And we would be in big trouble. So that's the difference between fantasy land and reality. But here they hear this report that Jesus' body had disappeared, along with the added account of angels standing by in shining garments. And well, it, it seemed far-fetched, to say the least. It wasn't enough to get most of these disciples out of their chairs. Their heads continued to hang, and their heads went back into their hands. Their misery continued. You know, for many people, the universe-building, star-speaking God is far-fetched in their daily lives. Here we have disciples that had a personal relationship with Jesus, and yet they put no faith in these stories. And I'd submit to you that many people that claim the name of Christ as far as their belief system, Christianity, are missing authentic faith in the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, immortal, invisible, and only wise God. And to some, thinking that God actually cares for the felt needs of human beings, of individuals, is far-fetched. To some, believing that Jesus desires personal relationship with them is an idle tale. And if you've ever had doubts I want you to know this morning, you're in good company because the disciples of Jesus, on the very day that he rose from the tomb, had doubts. They had big doubts. 
I mean, if I told you a true story about my life and you said that seems to me like a fairy tale or an idle tale, we, we would have a conversation. We'd have trouble, right? And, and yet, here is Jesus, the Savior of all the earth, risen from the dead. And they say, it seems like an idle tale. Thank you for coming, ladies, but it seems far-fetched to us. And so the first step we see in this progression is idle tales. But then we see inner turmoil. The news that the ladies brought back from the sepulcher for some was an idle tale, but for others, it was enough to get them up off the couch. And there were two guys who got up. We see in verse number 12, then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher. And we see in the next gospel in John that John headed out with him. And apparently John was a little bit faster runner than Peter and they decided to go to the cave where his body had been laid to see for themselves. Let's look at the end of verse 12. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher. And stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed. Now look at this. Wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Now I want you to go to the Gospel of John, the very next Gospel to your right. And let's see the account there in verses 4 through 8. John chapter 20. If you're ever wondering where to begin in reading the Scriptures, because it is sometimes an insurmountable task, start with the book of John. It's a great place to understand who Jesus is, why He came, and what it has to do with you. But here at the end of the Gospel, in John chapter 20, verse number 4. So they ran both together, and the other disciple, that's John, did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet when he not in. Then come a Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. So John's account shows that he believed. But we find in Luke that Peter struggled to know what to make of the side of the grave clothes, especially the folded napkin from Jesus' head. Peter had inner turmoil. He wanted to believe, but he still had doubts. He still wondered exactly what was taking place. I know there are many believers that are willing to put feet to their faith, to expend some energy to seek out truth, but are still unsure of what to do and how we, how we should respond to things in life. We want to have confidence in Jesus, but you know, we don't want to hang ourselves too far out there on that confidence limb. We don't want to open ourselves up to criticism. We don't want anybody really to call us a fanatic. Or, you know, they don't want to be called uh, some type of spiritual giant, maybe. Or don't want to be called, what was it when you were growing up, Billy Bible? Uh, Susie Spiritual, whatever it was. We shy away from those things because we have inner turmoil about our Savior. 
We don't want to seem like the fanatical type. And yes, we enjoy singing some hymns and some worship songs. And it's great to attend a service now and again. But expressing and experiencing faith on a daily basis would possibly put you beyond the point where you're comfortable going. And even though Peter had put his foot in his mouth many times before out of zeal for the Lord, he wasn't quite ready to go all in on a risen Christ. And some of us are in the same condition. The Jesus stuff is really nice in theory, but not necessarily for the practice of daily living. And this creates inner turmoil for us like it did for Peter. Peter said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But at the same time, he didn't want to stretch and say, He's risen! I know He has. His body's not there. He wasn't quite ready for that. So there was an inner turmoil taking place. Then we see an injured trust. And this is where we'll spend some time here this morning. I want you to go back to Luke 24. And we meet two other disciples, two followers who had apparently decided to pack it all up and head for their homes. They were going from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is about six and a half miles away. And let's catch up with them in verse number 13, Luke 24. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that While they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. So here they are, these two disciples of Jesus. They had seen him perform miracles. They'd heard the Sermon on the Mount. They had been there to hear multiple parables. They had watched Jesus give unfiltered truth to the Pharisees. The experiences that they had with Jesus were real, and no one could take those away from them. But just now, they were walking in sorrow with a lot more questions than answers. And they were walking with injured trust. They wanted to believe. They wanted to experience the miracles again. They wanted to go all in for the Savior. But right now, the faith journey was difficult to process. And look, you might be in the same place today. Years ago, maybe you saw God do some amazing things in your life or your family or your local church. You saw grace work miracles in hearts. You saw people forgiven who had done things beyond forgiveness. Could have been you. You saw people forgive who at one point were so bitter and so resentful And now they were healed. And the bitterness was gone out of their lives. And maybe you've heard the Word of God clearly preached and could be that you've read the Bible for yourself at home. But just now, you are on the Emmaus path in your life. You are stagnant in your walk. You're unsure of what you can do to experience Jesus again. To get back what you've had in the past. If you were asked Bible questions, you could spit out the answers. 
You even have conversations about God and you speak about faith and try to process the will of God in your life and for your life. Could be that the truth of God's Word is an integral part of your daily life. But maybe there's this trial in your family right now. Could be there's a health issue that the doctor shared with you. There's a cloud hanging over your soul. And yes, you're aware that Jesus is real. And if someone asked you, is Jesus real? You would say, yes, Jesus is real. And He's the answer, you would say. But His presence in your life right now sure would be nice. You would really like Him to show up about right now. I often think of the Old Testament Joseph. His story is told at the end of the book of Genesis, beginning in Genesis chapter 36 and 37 there. And it goes through the end of the book. And Joseph was one of 12 brothers. His father, because of who his mother was, loved him more than any of his brothers. And his father made him, you may remember from Sunday school, a coat of many colors. And Joseph went out to give a message to his brothers one day, and they sold him into slavery. His own brothers sold him into slavery. And a group of Ishmaelites took him down into Egypt. And in Egypt, he eventually was imprisoned. He was in a dungeon. He was in a difficult place in his life. And never once do we find where it says God showed up and comforted him. Joseph makes us ask the question, where's God when it hurts? Where's God when life's difficult? Where's God when I'm in the dungeon and when my faith is weak? And verses 15 through 17 help us to understand the answer. Look at verse 15. It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know Him. And He said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? Now could I remind you that in the midst of your struggle and your doubt and your injured trust, that Jesus is walking with you? You may not sense His presence, but He's there. And here's what I love. Jesus can handle your concerns. He immediately saw that they were walking together and they were sad, and Jesus can handle what you're throwing out. He can handle your questions. He can handle your fears and your doubts and your anger and your guilt and your bitterness and your jealousy. He can carry it all. And these disciples began to share with Jesus the news. Even though they weren't aware it was Him. You know, a talk with Jesus, whether you sense His presence or not, helps to put everything in your life back into the proper focus. And when you're in the most difficult place in your life and you're wondering, where is God? Why won't He show up? Just keep talking to Him. Just keep sharing with Him what your hurt is. Keep sharing with Him what your need is. There's an old song that says, we'll understand it better by and by. You know, that's the truth. 
We don't understand some of it now, but we're going to understand it someday. As we look back at our lives and we see where Jesus carried us and Jesus helped us and Jesus brought people into our lives to help us. And Jesus Himself shows up on this road to Emmaus. Goodness gracious, what a wonderful experience this must have been. I think He walked with them for maybe five and a half to six miles. They were fast walkers. And uh, what's a fast mile if you're walking? What do you think? How many minutes? If you're walking? You're walking? What are you doing? I'm going to ask the soldier. 16? 14? Okay. How many are lower than 14? Lower than 14 for walking. How many are higher than 14? How many of you have not walked a mile in recent history? Okay. So they're walking, and let's just say it's an hour. They get one hour of walking with Jesus Christ Himself alone, and they don't even know He's there, but their hearts, their souls, everything about their being is exposed through the interaction. And that's what happens when we walk with the Lord. So let's catch up with them and see what happens. Verse 18. And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, Answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Some of you are looking at that question like, okay, he just asked Jesus that. He asked Jesus, Are you a stranger in Jerusalem? He didn't know it was him. And he said unto him, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Look at verse 21. And I want you to see where their injured trust is. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. That we thought that Jesus was the Messiah. We thought that he had come to redeem Israel from the Roman government. Beside all this, today's the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of her company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre, and when they had found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. So Jesus been listening. He's just been listening and listening and listening. And then he talks. And notice his first word of love and greeting. Then he said unto them, O oh, fools. You know, Jesus, he just get real with you. You ever have the Holy Spirit just sock you in the gut? Say, what are you doing, fool? Right? We think that started with the A-team. It started with Luke. And he says to him, Yo, fools, right? That's what he's saying to them. He says, you fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That, I think, it's got to be the most unique 
the most expounded message of prophecy ever given. I'd like to get the CD on this one. It'd help us out tremendously. Jesus Himself preaching the message on the prophecy of His life. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into His glory? Verse 28. And they drew nigh unto the village, whither they went. And He made as though He would have gone further, but they constrained Him, saying, Abide with us. For it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. So here's what I want you to know. These guys didn't know who he was, but they liked him. Right? They really didn't know who he was, but they said, Would you stay with us, and let's eat together, and we really would like to hang out with you. And here's what I want you to know about Jesus. Even when you don't sense his presence, you're going to love that he's near. The Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear Him, delivers them. How does it happen? It happens through the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. And we don't have time to get into a theological discussion this morning, but I want you to see that He decided to stay with them. And look at verse number 30. And it came to pass... As he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And as he prayed for the food, look what, their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? You know what they realized? We just had the best hour of our lives. He was with us and we didn't even know it. Can I tell you that every hour you ever invest in your relationship with Jesus is the same way? You may not see Him visually, but you can see Him through the eyes of faith. You can see the risen Savior and the empty tomb through the eyes of faith and you can experience what these men experienced as they went to Emmaus that day. Then I want you to see, though, this last part, indisputable truth. Indisputable truth. Verse 33, And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed. It hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. So here are these two disciples from Emmaus hiked up their robes and hightailed it back to Jerusalem to reveal to the other disciples their meeting with the Lord. They were transformed by the presence of Jesus in their lives. It made their hearts burn with passion they had never known before. And they said, the Lord is risen indeed. The stories are true. We saw Him. We know He's alive. And at that very moment... That very moment, verse number 36, and as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. So here's what happened Jesus appears in bodily form to show him his hands and his feet, and all of the disciples were going to find out, embraced him and cheered and said, way to go, you're here. Nope, that's not what happened. 
some of you bought that. That's not what happened. Okay? Sorry to confuse you. Let's go back now and see what really happened in verse number 37. But they were terrified and affrighted. That's a double whammy. They were terrified and affrighted. And suppose that they had seen a spirit. Do you believe in ghosts? Well, they did. They thought they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. I want you to think about this as you consider how to respond to the resurrection this morning. Most of the disciples of Jesus, ones that had walked with him on dusty paths for three years of their lives, ones that had seen as many miracles, struggled to comprehend that he was risen from the dead. Even when he stood before them, they found it incredible, even frightening, that this could be the Son of God. There are days when we live like we serve a risen Savior. But I have to tell you, there are days when we live like there's no Savior at all. Human discouragements and doubts have a way of eating at our souls. Sometimes it's just neglect. There's a little kid's song that we used to sing all the time when I was a kid. I don't know if you ever heard it before. We, we say... Uh, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And you just keep going up. You start really low, and we do it. And I never could get up very high. I don't know why. It's the weirdest thing. But then they had a second verse to the song. And neglect your Bible, forget to pray. And you know what you'll do? You'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And you go all the way down to the floor. Yeah, that's what happens to us. When we realize by faith that we serve a risen Savior, we grow and grow and grow, and it doesn't really matter what the circumstances are, and it doesn't really matter what the outside phenomena is. We grow in the Lord in trials, in tests, in valleys, and on mountaintops. But when we neglect our Savior, and we neglect to be in His presence, and we neglect to read His words and be encouraged by other believers in our faith. We shrink and we shrink and we shrink. And it takes the ambulance and the paddles of Easter Sunday to bring us back. Clear! And the whole country... Whoa! He's alive! Right? And we come back to the reality, wow, we serve a risen Savior! I could go out this week and live like I have Jesus in my life. And it seems to happen all the time. We go through these cycles. We go through these struggles in our lives. And it's comforting to me. We weren't the only, no, we're not the only ones. The disciples struggled with this. Human discouragements and troubles have a way of eating at our souls. And I thank the Lord that the resurrection is not based upon our frail faith. It is based on the fact of a risen Savior. Thank God that the resurrection was not placed upon the foundation of the disciples' feelings on that Sunday almost 2,000 years ago. 
but upon the Savior that showed them His hands and His feet. I don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead because the Bible tells me so. It's better than that. Matthew saw the risen Savior. Peter saw Him. James saw Him. John saw Him. Oh, and He lives in my heart. The greatest evidence of a risen Savior is the living body of Christ that continues to turn the world upside down with His story, the Gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Every person in this room today has a response to the Gospel. Some deny it. Some don't care about it. Some say they need more information. Some embrace the Gospel. My question to you as we close this morning is this. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? You know why it's such an important question? Because you will be asked this question someday in eternity. And if your answer is, I didn't really buy into all that stuff, the Bible says that you will face what's called eternal death. Real place. Revelation 20 describes it. Jesus came to pay for our sins. The resurrection to give us new life in Christ. To give us the hope of heaven. And so my question to you this morning, what will you do with Jesus? Let's bow in prayer. As we bow this morning, with no one looking around, I'd just like to share with you my heart. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand or stand up or go anywhere or do anything. But I'd like you to know this. If you have never received Jesus into your life, you can do that right here in this place today. I'd like to pray a prayer that you could pray in your heart. And it's not a magic prayer. Prayer can't save you. But saying these words in your own language, in your own faith, with a true heart, authentic heart before God, the Bible says will save you from eternal death. You could say right now, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that because of my sin, I deserve eternal death. But Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. You shed your blood. You were buried and you rose again to give me new life. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Save me today. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Lord, I pray that you would grant on every heart that prayed that prayer an assurance of your salvation today. I pray that those who pray that prayer today would share with someone, with me or with one of our church leaders or maybe a friend who brought them today, that they would share with someone that they received Christ, that you would give them the faith to begin discipleship with you, to follow you, to be what you've made each of us to be. I pray that as we go forward in our lives from this day, that we would wake up every day with a He is risen indeed attitude. That our lives would not be focused on us, but on You. Oh God, I ask these things. And I pray Your blessing on these things. We ask it in Jesus' name.
Amen. Would you stand this morning? I'd like to give you just a minute or two to be able to pray if you'd like to or to pray for someone. And I'm going to ask Mrs. Hayne to play through a verse of song. And the altar is open if you'd like to come to the altar or kneel at your seat. Whatever God lays on your heart, you do what God wants you to do this morning.